0: There are certain things we'd rather not celebrate. Things like getting a root canal or a colonoscopy, receiving a speeding ticket or, you know, when your refrigerator, your washer or your dryer goes on the fritz and it needs to be repaired. But predictably, we do enjoy celebrating things like a birthday, an anniversary, a graduation, uh, the birth of a child or a, a grandchild or a great grandchild, a new job or promotion or maybe when your favorite baseball team makes it into the playoffs and wins the pennant, except St. Louis. No, (laughs) just teasing you, Peyton, just teasing you. But for 2,000 years, church families have been celebrating, too. The rhythm of our church life together is punctuated with celebration. At the start of every week on Sunday morning, in the Advent and Easter seasons, in child dedications, in weddings. I mean, just this next week, the Vineyard Church family has three couples getting married. Amy and Andrew uh, next Saturday, Ginger and Elliot and Matt and Ruth are getting married. So that's congratulations. It's going to be a, a big day next Saturday. And then today we get to celebrate water baptism. Now today, uh, This morning, we're we're specifically concluding a four-week sermon series where we've been looking at the question, how do we grow? And and in this last month, we've learned that Jesus offers us hope, hope that we can change to become new and different people, that we don't have to stay the way we are. And this growth into Christ-likeness is encouraged in the Bible this way. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul says to throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, and instead, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And so we've been seeing that we can actually close the gap, the gap between where we are and where Jesus wants us to be. And we do that by leaning into the three core ingredients of Christ-likeness. First, we cultivate an intimate relationship with God the Father, especially through prayer and reading and reflecting on the Bible. Secondly, by living in vital and authentic relationships with one another. And then thirdly, by compassionately and powerfully extending God's kingdom, his love, his truth, his mercy, and his power. And we do that as we live an outward-focused life, as we live with open-handed generosity, and as we take risks to follow where Jesus leads us. And today, we're concluding by actually celebrating with eight members of our church family as they publicly acknowledge the growth and change that's come in their life because of Jesus. So let's pray together. Lord, at the start of this brand new week, we just say uh, good morning. We thank you. We welcome you. We love you. You are good all the time. Lord, we pray the prayer you taught us to pray. You are our Father in heaven. Blessed be your name. We bless your name because of a, the new life that comes through Christ. We bless your name for the fullness of your spirit. We bless your name for soundness of health and mind and body that enables us to, to be together. We bless your name for your favor and blessing in our life. And we bless your name for the confidence of a certain security in Jesus against the future. And we welcome you here to bring your kingdom. You said to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth, even as it's done in heaven. So, Lord, as above, so below here today. And not just in this room, but next door where our kids are learning and growing and worshiping you as well. Thank you for today, the reason to celebrate, joining with members of our church family because of the difference that you've made. Put power on your word to our lives in your name. Amen. In many of our lives, we acknowledge growth and change with some kind of a celebration. For instance, when we successfully complete our junior high or our high school education or our undergraduate studies, we have a graduation ceremony and usually a party to follow. When you complete a course of continuing education or you pass a certification exam of some kind, maybe it's in architecture or nursing or dietetics or computer programming or something like that, we celebrate when we get the certificate of completion, don't we? We acknowledge birthdays and anniversaries or retirements with a, with a party and exchange of gifts. Each of these milestones indicates the successful completion of a season of growth, of progress, and of change in some manner. And they deserve celebration. Just yesterday, my mom, Virginia, turned 87 years old. And, you know, quite honestly, at a time when most of her friends are now gone, it was a great reason to celebrate. Now, the Protestant church has often lagged behind the culture in embracing a spirit of celebration. And and that's very understandable. Christ followers have genuinely wanted to refrain from worldliness. And quite frankly, so often, I'll say, my former celebrations were tainted with things like drunkenness and impurity and other vices in which we no longer wish to participate. So it's understandable. But the church should be quick to celebrate. We're encouraged in the Book of Romans, the twelfth chapter. Rejoice with those that rejoice. In Second, in First Corinthians, chapter twelve, the Apostle Paul says, "When one part of the body of Christ, the church, is honored, then all the parts are glad." Now, from its very beginning days, uh, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out on that inaugural day, when the church was birthed, uh, Jesus uh, gave His followers, a special way to commemorate life change that comes uh, because of relationship with him, and it's called water baptism. And in some of his very last words to his disciples, Jesus said this, Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. These were the church's marching orders. Now, almost all Christians agree that water baptism is important and that Christ followers should obey the Lord's command and the church's example by being Water baptized. And so consequently, people have been baptized in churches and cathedrals and in temples and in mosques, in storefront meeting rooms, in hotel fountains, in fiberglass, heated baptistries, uh, and horse troughs with ice chunks. Uh, it really is warm, trust me. <laughs> in lakes and in oceans and in algae filled ponds and swimming pools and hot tubs. But sadly, Almost all Christians disagree on almost everything else about baptism, truthfully. When one can be baptized, how old one can be to get baptized, how one is baptized, sprinkled or poured or immersed or some combination, what its true meaning is, who can administer baptism, what's required before and after, and what words are said when you're sprinkled, poured, or immersed. Some traditions, baptism is quite solemn. In others, like ours, it's quite festive. In fact, for you who may have never experienced a vineyard baptism, it's okay if you're just a little uncomfortable today. That's quite okay. Just go with the flow. You know, when when you're in Rome, do as the Romans do. Or like Paul said, be all things to all people. So just kind of just relax and act like you know what you're doing too, and no one will know. But differences of theological belief... An actual practice have split churches and denominations. They've divided families, uh, been the subject of many debates, church councils, hundreds of books, thousands of sermons. And you know, the interesting thing is everybody believes that they're right. You think that took God by surprise? I don't think so. Uh, in the vineyard, we just like to say there's great room for differences of conviction between sincere believers because we believe that the umbrella of God's mercy is quite large. Now, in the end, in the vineyard, we'd rather just practice baptism, and then we'll debate about the fine points of of its doctrine in eternity. We want to celebrate life change, and that's what today is all about. Now, there are three very simple and compelling reasons why this celebration has been and continues to be so important in the church. I want to share those with you today. The first is that in water baptism we point to Jesus. When we point to something, it draws attention of others to a certain object or in a certain direction, right? So if I were to point to the screen and say, look up there, every eye Almost every eye in the auditorium follows my verbal and, 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 uh, physical command and you look in a certain direction. So in a similar way, water baptism points to Jesus. Jesus is what it's all about. You see, Christianity is Christ. Christianity is about a real authentic relationship with a real living Person, Jesus, the unique son of God who was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, crucified on a cross for the sin of the world, buried in the tomb, rose again from the dead on the third day, ascended to heaven where he now sits at the right hand of God the Father, awaiting for the day when he will return to the earth as the judge of all. Water baptism, points to the resurrected, living, ruling, and reigning Jesus. Baptism points to that. And it says, he's real. He's alive. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. My life now centers around Jesus, my King. He has changed me, and I'm following him. So water baptism is a symbol of a relationship with Jesus. Now I've shared this on other occasions, but it bears repeating. Many of us who are are married wear a wedding ring, don't we? Um, I'm I'm rather embarrassed to admit it now. But when Tina and I were first married, uh, the church of which we were a part forbade wearing of jewelry because it was considered worldly. But you know that was really awkward and confusing when you're on a college campus and. All your friends think that you're just living together? Yeah, right, you're married here, right. That's what they would say. I'm really, really, I'm really honestly married. Yeah, right. No jewelry, no ring, no nothing. So, honest truth, the first summer after we were married, we travel we traveled to Tulsa to attend a Kenneth Hagen camp meeting, July of 1977. And because we were away from home where no one would recognize us, We snuck into a Kay's jewelry store and bought a wedding set of rings, $375. Woo! We were living large, baby. And I'm still wearing the ring that we bought that July. Now, Tina's long lost her. She's waiting for the big one someday, I know. Uh, I haven't figured out which anniversary she's expecting it on, but it's coming. Trust me. And it better not be smaller than a carrot. I know that. But those of us today who are wearing a wedding ring understand that our marriage is more than a ring, don't we? Go like this, okay? If you're going like this, then you need to talk to me after the service. No, the ring is a simple and powerful symbol of the sacred relationship. The wedding ring points to something much larger than itself. And so likewise, water baptism is a simple and powerful symbol that points to something much larger, our sacred relationship with Jesus. You see, being immersed in the water and then coming up out of the water is a picture of what's happened to both Jesus and ourselves Here's how the Apostle Paul describes it. If you have a Bible or Bible app, you may want to open quickly to Romans, the 6th chapter. The Apostle Paul says this, Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. "'Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism.'" And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So baptism is a picture of this event. You see, Jesus died. And when we choose to fully follow Jesus as our Lord, as our King, we too die to our old, sinful, selfish way of life. Our sinful nature dies. The Bible describes uh, this event as being born from above or being born again by the Spirit. Our sin is forgiven. We are freed from its suffocating grip on our life, and we have now one new nature. We're created in God's image, a son or a daughter of the living God, forever free. So as Jesus died, so we die. Jesus was buried in the grave. And so when we are immersed under the water, it's a picture of our old sinful nature being buried. It goes in a watery grave. And then Jesus rose from the dead. And so when we come up out of the water... We are now free to love and serve and worship and obey Jesus, a new king, a new Lord. And so as Jesus, so we. It's a beautiful and powerful picture. The whole picture of water baptism, our immersion and coming back up, speaks of cleansing and renewal and forgiveness and hope and growth and change. That's why it's so beautiful and so powerful. In water baptism, we point to Jesus. Secondly, in water baptism, we pledge to follow Jesus. Christianity is following Jesus. Now, in the church, we talk about getting saved, being born again, believing the gospel, praying the sinner's prayer, joining the church, making a decision, making a commitment, signing a pledge card, walking down the aisle, kneeling at the altar, raising our hand, giving our lives to Christ, surrendering to Jesus, repenting for our sins, or being converted. And there's probably some I've forgotten. All of these experiences are valid, and some have uh, their roots in actual biblical phraseology. They have historical significance and may be the lens through which you interpret and ascribe your particular experience of relationship with Jesus. But I like to think that the most accurate language that Jesus used to describe our relationship uh, is for his disciples to follow him. For instance, Jesus invited the first disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, into relationship this way in Matthew's Gospel, the, uh, let's find the, uh, let's look at, uh, Mark's Gospel, the first chapter, the, the 16th verse. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon, that's Peter, and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called to them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And one other illustration in uh, Matthew's gospel, he gives the account of his own calling and conversion in the ninth chapter with these words. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up. And followed him. Then Jesus invites all of us into relationship with these words found in Luke's gospel, the ninth chapter. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. So in water baptism, we are pledging that we have and will continue to fully follow Jesus, wherever he leads us. It implies our active, willing cooperation and our obedience. Not that we passively now wear a label on our lapel or on the census that we are a Christian. Check. It implies active, willing cooperation. And so in water baptism, we pledge to follow Jesus. The third reason Why baptism has been and continues to be an important reason for celebration is this. In water baptism, we identify with Jesus's family, the church. Now, as we've seen, having a relationship with Jesus can be expressed in lots of different language. But all of these various expressions convey the same truth, that when a man or a woman or a child Uh, surrenders to Jesus and fully follows him as the new king, we are changed, and God forgives our sin, and we're made new. But biblically speaking, this series of events, these actions, are never viewed through the lens of individualism. I like how New Testament scholar and theologian Gordon Fee states this truth so powerfully in his book, Paul, the people and the Spirit of God, when he says, and I quote, Though entered individually, salvation is seldom thought of as a simply one-on-one relationship with God. While such relationship is included, to be sure, to be saved means especially to be joined to the people of God. And so a Christian who is not a vital and active part of a local church lies totally outside the frame of reference in the New Testament. There is no such thing as a member of the universal mystical body of Christ who watches TV for their church on Sunday morning. No such thing. They might exist, but not in a biblical frame of reference. You see, while Christianity is very personal, it is never individualistic. God is always building a people, he's building a people, a community among whom he dwells by his spirit. And that community finds its expression all over the globe in local churches, groups of real people gathered together because of similar vision and values and love and, and support. And that, that group finds its expression in a shared life together. And water baptism is one of the means that believers can make a formal public declaration of their faith before the church. We invite friends and family and uh, to to witness our profession of a changed life, and it expresses a commitment to the local church. Water baptism says, hey, I am changed. I'm now a vital part of the local church. I'm all in. So much of the growth in the plant and animal kingdoms is very incremental. Even those species that grow very rapidly, it's not, not often very visible to the naked eye, is it? We only notice growth when we benchmark it, like, say, with a photograph, or maybe you measure or weigh your pet, or, or the, sh- the shadow from the growing oak tree Uh, begins to shade the patio in a way you hadn't noticed before. Well, in similar manner, much of our personal and spiritual growth towards Christ likeness is slow and it's incremental. It's left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. It's learn a new habit here. It's unhooked from an old pattern of thinking and believing and behaving there, left foot, Right foot, trust Jesus more completely here and forgive someone there. Left foot, right foot, walk free from sin here and build a new discipline in my life there. It's left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Incremental and slow is the growth in the kingdom. But one of the very visible and dramatic ways that Jesus gives his disciples to publicly declare their growth kind of like a, a, a monumental uh, beacon, as it were, of, of change, that you've actually changed allegiances, that your old sinful self is dead, and that you're now pledging a new life of love and service and worship, obedience to Jesus, that you've given up on sin and self-centeredness, and now you're embracing a new way of life, It's to, is to be water baptized. And so today we get to rejoice with eight people from our church family, young and middle-aged. You know, yeah, we honor Craig and Denise that way. (laughs) We're just rejoicing with the eight members of our family that are, that are indicating that they've been changed. We, we rejoice with those that are rejoicing in the spirit of Romans 12 and we honor these eight members and therefore we are glad in the spirit of 1st Corinthians 12. Now, I'd like to say just a word to those of you who are being baptized, the candidates. I, I'm grateful to God for you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your courage, your willingness to obey, that you've responded to God's love, you've turned from sin and selfishness, and that you've believed in Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection as the as the hope of the world, and, and that you've been restored in your relationship with Jesus, that he's now your Lord and your Savior, that you've been Changed and that today you're taking this step of, of obedience and that you're, you're pledging to grow. And, and that's just exciting. Um, and especially those of you who are young, the, the kids that will be baptized with us today, it's awesome that you're, you're pledging a a life of change and, and growth. And I'm, I'm anticipating your unique destinies, the way that God's purposes in your life are going to unpack and unfold in the days and the months and the years ahead. And I'm thankful for you. I'd like to share a word just to you who are parents and the grandparents, uh, the great-grandparents, the family, the friends, the small group members that are here today in support as well. On behalf of the church, I want to express appreciation for you, uh, the deposits that you've made in these people. You see, uh, maybe you don't even understand how your model of Christlikeness and uh your passions and your training and and your discipline and your your church attendance through the years, how it made a difference. But it did. And so to those of you who uh have invested in the lives of your children and your your grandchildren and your great grandchildren or uh you've come alongside of friends in a small group, I just want to say thank you. You know it's true that we can sow the seed of the gospel and we can water it and cultivate it and ultimately only God can make it grow, but I want to say thanks to all of you for the investments that you've made by sowing the seed of the gospel in Christ's likeness. So thank you. So here's how it works in the vineyard tradition, as short as it is, the tradition that is, (laughs) all 30 years worth. So um, we're going to proceed by taking an offering here in just a moment, an opportunity for you to grow, because remember, when we live with open-handed generosity, it allows God to uh, an opportunity to grow us up. And then the worship team's going to come up, and we're going to uh, uh, kick it off with just a song of celebration, one song. And then all the all of you that are uh, going to be baptized are going to come up after that song, and we'll just kind of line up here, maybe on the, on the uh, left side of the uh, stage, and we'll pass the microphone down the row. And I realize that the fear of public speaking is the number one fear that most people have, and so you're totally off the hook if you don't want to say something. But we will ask you to just introduce your, yourself. And, and then if you'd like to say something, you're, you're welcome to. And then after all eight candidates have an opportunity to share, what we're going to do is begin to worship again, because it's in the spirit of Thanksgiving and celebration that we are, uh, baptizing. And then one at a time, the candidates will come up and, uh, get in the tank. And it's, it really is warm. You can actually come up and test it yourself. And then family should gather around parents, grandparents, friends, uh, gather around the tank. And then I'm, it's not secret, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ask each candidate to affirm that they believed in Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, and that in in baptism they're pledging to follow Jesus for the rest of their life. And then I'm going to ask a real spiritual question like, do you want to hold your nose? <laughs> or I'll say like, oh, you got to take your glasses off or take your watch off. Uh, things like that. Uh, because, see, there's there's no distinction between sacred and secular in the vineyard. They all just believe one integrated life. And then... I'll immerse them with the help of whoever's on the other side of the tank in Jesus name. And then they'll come back up and you're free to let her rip and celebrate. The band's of course playing and worshiping and you're invited to, to worship. And on one screen, we'll actually project the imagery uh, from the camera so that those of you who are seated in the back, you can actually see. And, uh, and then after all, all eight are done, we'll, we'll finish by worshiping with another song or two. And at the end of the service, we'll ask all the, All of you who were baptized to come forward and we're going to lay hands on you and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and empower you to live the kind of life that you just testified to. And then we're all going to go eat lunch together. Like, how awesome is that? You know? Uh, and so that's what will happen, uh, for the balance of the morning. And we're just thrilled that you're here to celebrate with us. Lord, we're just so grateful that, uh, we get a, a chance to celebrate the life change that you make in people. Uh, in water baptism. Thank you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you gave your life for us, and you invite us into relationship with God, and you restore us. You don't leave us on the scrap heap, but you you come to live inside of us in the Holy Spirit and and actually make life worth living. You come to give us real life, and for that we thank you. And we're joining now, Lord, with members of our family, and we just want to say uh, we're honored. We We rejoice with them, Lord, as they rejoice. We honor these eight members, and as a result, we are glad. Receive our worship, Lord, for what it is. It looks forward to the day when around your throne, we're going to cut loose in a way we never have before. Thank you, in your name, amen.